0: welcome to another episode of talk go for buckets I'm Luke Buer
1: this is Ryan James and you say another like we're doing it every week
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh the shots are just really good today Ryan uh yes really? it's been it's been a while I'll, I'll admit it it's been way too long and it's my fault I know it
1: I didn't say it was your fault. Part of course, it's my fault. My schedule's crazy. My schedule's crazy with all these
0: kids. Yeah. Well. But. Whatever. I mean, we're here. Uh, let's let's chat a little basketball. Um, you know, pretty good run for the Gophers here in the Big Ten tournament. But I, I want to focus right away before we get to that is just on the season as a whole. Right. Um, I know when we when we talked about going into this season, um, we talked about how the Gophers really were going to be. Uh, we're going to be evaluated in two periods, right, which would be the non-conference season, which uh, we talked about, I think, a couple different times where they, they did pretty well, and then the Big Ten schedule, and we said, you know, 10 and 10 should get them in, right? And they were 9 and 10, so maybe a game under expectations. But i um, interested to hear your perception just on the season as a whole, and maybe we'll focus mostly on the Big Ten season.
1: You know, it, you can look at it from two perspectives. The national opinion of what Minnesota was supposed to be was so low that, like, it looks like they went far and above expectations. Right. I mean, look at the Athlon one. They were supposed to be, what was it, like 11th in the league or something like that with uh, with NIT. You know, you're lucky to be getting in the NIT. But at the same time, I think locally our expectations were different. My expectations for the non-conference schedule was to get out of that thing with two or less losses, well, they got out of that thing with one less loss. So I think that's a plus. You know, we all we talked all along, you know, Big Ten. You know, initially we thought you got to get over five hundred. Oh, that's Ten right. Because no, nobody really knew that the Big Ten was going to be this good. If you look back, the uh, prognosticators—is that right? They yep. Use that word right. Yep. Prognosticators, the projectionists—they said that the Big Ten was going to get four or five teams in. Here and hour it leads with eight. And so you come back to that Big Ten record, you just want to be 500. They do come up short with that from that 500 record. But then in the Big Ten tournament we all talked about, you probably should have in one game, they win two. So in two of the three marks, they went above what was expected, and the other one they were below. But when they were below, it was ugly for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of your season – about if you average it out, it's about what was expected. You just would hope for not having that pitfall for six of seven, six losses in seven games. But you make up for that pitfall by beating Purdue twice, once being in the Big Ten tournament, getting to the semis.
0: Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, you know, coming into the season. um, I think the biggest concern we had was point guard. I think um, Amir Coffey did admirably given the position that he was in. He played a ton of minutes, averaged something like 34 minutes a game. Um, which was just absurd. But, uh, you know, from a roster perspective, I think they played the starters way, way, way more than I ever expected. And, you know, some of that has to do with injury, but I I think, too, um, that probably has to do with Patino probably feeling pressure that he had to deliver and get to the NCAA tournament.
1: Without a doubt. Um, You know, one of the the reasons for the minutes part is Eric Curry not being available as much as expected. You know, multiple surgeries. After a surgery, I, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> I keep getting like text messages thrown in. I mean, that got me off guard. Um, but we, we, with Eric Curry having surgery after multiple surgery, that takes away from it. Another part is Isaiah Washington not really becoming quite what was expected of him as a sophomore player. It just he didn't he didn't meet those expectations. Um, and I'm also but at the same time, I also feel like if you want to get grumpy about the season in any way, if you want to – and it's hard to get grumpy when they just come off a nice little run in their NCAA tournament. I just feel like they should, they needed to establish a little bit more of a rotation off the bench, you know, help, the, help them get a little bit more consistent by, with consistent minutes. I felt like it was – since November, it was like, who's going to play here? Who's going to play there? And we've talked about this repeatedly but that for me that's why the minutes were so big it's just like he just didn't trust the guys off the bench and some nights it was okay i mean especially lately jordan murphy amir coffee putting up some monster numbers in big minutes but then you know, there's other times where you know when they were struggling in that run that it just kind of was a problem on top of the problem
0: yeah you know the thing that seemed really odd to me at least from a, a minutes perspective is um you know we you and i would ask we would prognosticate ourselves as to why you know they, these guys were playing big minutes right and some of it was like well not big minutes but why the the rotation was so inconsistent and part of it we were, we were wondering well maybe it's matchups right um they were going game by game matchups and wherever they felt they had better matchups they'd play guys because you'd see like michael hurt get some good minutes you see brock stall get some good minutes you'd see mott's you'd see eric curry but but, the fact of the matter is outside of Eric Curry and towards the end here, Brock Stahl, you know, and then Mott's after the Eric Curry injury, you really like, there was just no consistency off the bench. Isaiah Washington basically saw the doghouse and probably rightfully so from a shooting perspective and just a lack of defense perspective. I actually thought he, he passed the ball a lot better this year than he did in years past. But, um, but, uh, at the end of the day, like the inconsistency to find some semblance of per- productivity off the bench really hampered this team, at least from my perspective. In the you know really towards the middle of that season, and they and they just were able to rely on their starters d- down the stretch.
1: Well, and with that becomes the shooting part. Like you don't right. have consistent shooting because you know those guys that were expected to be some of your shooters, Rockstall. Um, Michael Hurt, guys that you were expected to maybe come out and become shooters for this team, they did. They weren't those shooters, and they and and when they had the ball, they didn't look like they were comfortable to shoot the ball. And so, therefore, when you don't have those bench minutes and you don't have those guys who might be your shooters being shooters, that also hurts. And Dupree also, as a starter, was right. not the shooter needed. And Amir Coffee, as good as he's been this year, did have a, a stretch of like four and six games where he was in single digits and struggled overall. So I think with the bench struggles come the shooting struggles. But at the same time, I really like how that Stockman is getting in there and giving. I like the minutes they're giving him. And I like mm-hmm. the minutes that Brock stole. I like it. I like that he's kind of in a set pattern rotation during this nice stretch that they've had over the last ah, six games, I think it is, five games. Yeah, I like that rotation. Jarvis Omersa, I think for the first time in a long time, he gave good minutes the other day. You know, even though it was an ugly game against Michigan, the one thing I took from that is I thought Jarvis had some had some good minutes off the bench.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I agree with that. You know, I, I I feel so bad for Eric Curry, and we've you and I have talked about this offline, but um, you know the. the The thing is, is when when Mott's was asserted again as kind of that backup role, I thought that he really gave them to your point, really good minutes, and that kind of almost in some ways turned the corner. Now, I'm not trying to say that Eric wasn't giving them enough or anything, right? Uh, I just think that you know that was the group that they went with in the non-conference season without Eric, and I don't know if there was some comfortability there. I don't, I, I don't know what it was, but it seemed like once they were able to insert Mats again, um, you saw. I didn't feel like there was nearly as much a. I don't know if there's a drop off or I, there was just some sort of better flow um, in, in that juncture when he was playing.
1: Yeah, I agree. And then, and then Daniel, him and Daniel kind of met, they work well together. I mean, Daniel Aturu, I was surprised he wasn't named All Big Ten freshmen. Mm-hmm. They have that's from the coaches. The coaches voted for that. And you know, there three names that were obvious. They, you know, Ao from Illinois, Romeo Langford, Izzy, Iggy. What I don't know, how do you use Izzy, Iggy, Iggy, it's Ignis. Ignis. Ignis,
0: yeah,
1: Ignis, yeah. Iggy. Like those three were obvious, and I think the way that Jalen Smith destroyed Minnesota and had a good average, you got to go with him as the fourth. But I felt as good as Joe camp was this year. I mean, was he like as good as Daniel Oturol averaging 11 a game, leading all freshmen in rebounds, blocks, and field goal percentage. Mm-hmm. I just got it. I just I felt like you know Daniel O'Toole should have had that spot, and that's kind of my you know from what you said the you know those two playing together and those two splitting the time. Daniel's had a nice year. Mm-hmm. Gabe Kelcher. Such a nice freshman year. And you know, I'm 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 really interested in people's thoughts on Jordan Murphy historically at the University of Minnesota. Where like how how will he be perceived five years from now? Hmm. You know, and, and Amir Coffee. Amir Coffee, in my opinion, has first team all Big Ten talent. Mm-hmm. Is he gonna have the big year next year to be first team, and are we going to talk about him as having an all-time great season? Can Amir Coffey be a player of the year? You know, these things are coming out of my mouth right now, it's because those two have been that good. These freshmen have been that solid.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think that Amir, uh, Amir had a really nice year put in a tough position. I think he's, I think he's a much better player off, on the wing. Um, I think he's a much better player, you know, in transition, you know, you know running up the sideline rather than having to handle the ball a ton. He, then again, Amir Coffey just in transition period is just lethal. Right. Um, but, you know, to your point, it, it, it will be interesting to see, especially Jordan Murphy. You know, he had his freshman's campaign. They were terrible um that's not a a problem that's not his fault right i think that was roster construction regardless of if uh if tubby or richard patino is here that season was destined for doom right um the the sophomore campaign obviously made the ncaa tournament last year decimated by injury so from a winning perspective um you know getting to the ncaa two two out of your four years at the university of minnesota like not to make anybody feel bad that's a gopher fan that's Pretty dang successful from a player perspective. Um, So, and I think what will be interesting is like how much his double double, like the the double doubles that he racked up, how much of those will be appreciated long term. Because I think we came to expect it night in and night out. But that's not that is not the norm to get a double double and get you know upwards of like fifteen a season. That was just absolutely absurd. The numbers he was pulling. Yeah,
1: there's not many guys there's in the Big Ten, what other guy can you say can have double-doubles somewhat to that consistency? Outside of Bruno Fernando, he's the only other guy in the mm-hmm. whole conference that has that ability to do that. I mean, Nick Ward don't do that. He's just That's never been his style of play. Right. You know, there's just not other guys that do that. Mm-hmm. And, but you know, Ty- Tyler Cook, maybe. Tyler Cook could maybe be that guy, but he doesn't rebound as well as Jordan. So it's, it's a really special thing. And, like, some fans are like, well, we were hoping for the two state you know, two NCAA tournaments out of them, and, you know. And I gotta, ch- I gotta look look at those people in the eye and be like, how many NCAA tournaments do you think that Willie Burton went to? Yeah. How many NCAA tournaments did Kevin Lynch go to? You know, you can go through the list. How many did right. Bobby Jackson go to? Right. One. Sam Jacobson went to two. Quincy Lewis went to two. You know, like we're you keep running through these all time best players in our recent history, there's no way nobody's really saying three here. There's no mm-hmm. three. And that, that's kind of, when you think. You sit back and think of that, it's like, damn, this program doesn't have a, a stud who went to the NCAA tournament three times? Right. And they really don't.
0: Right, and I think I think really, Amir's probably you know I know some people are concerned he won't come back. I I, I think that that's probably asinine, but um, you know he might be the first player to have a chance to go to three NCAA tournaments as a player. Uh, I, I guess you and I will probably have to look that up to be sure, but Amir Amir's had one heck of a career, and you and you bring that up. I mean, he's a thousand point scorer already. He led them in scoring this year at 16.3 with 554 points. He darn near scored you know 600 points on the season. Um, that's that's really those are really impressive numbers um, for a junior, and he and he produced. And and all that said, Ryan, all that said. He had a stretch where he really didn't play well in Big Ten play. Like, he did not produce to the expectations that he kind of set for himself early on.
1: Yeah, and yeah, you're right. There were some stretches in December that were, they weren't quite up to where his standards were. So, I mean, that's kind of why he wasn't the first team or even second team all Big Ten player. I cast my ballot, I had him as a second team guy. Uh, I'm here. But mm-hmm. most people actually that, that voted, Sounds like they had him as a thirteen guy, and it's because of the consistency. There was that six game stretch during the season that wasn't as consistent. There was a December stretch against terrible basketball teams that wasn't consistent, and that is why you don't quite get to that level. But when he was good, oh my lord, was he good! Mm-hmm. You know, and, and right now he's been really, really good, and everybody's looking forward to see what he can do against Louisville because if Amir and Jordan are both on, and this team's been playing the way they did against Purdue. And Penn State and uh in in uh, the northwestern, you know, it, it's it could it, we could be looking at it we could be looking at a definite win. And mm-hmm. we don't get any of them around here. You know, we don't give many N C L A tournament wins. Tubby got one against well, it almost has to have, have has to have an asterisk because UCLA was had like six guys and they were their fire right. coach was a joke. Yeah. But, but before that, what well, was before that was N C L A tournament wins were in the final four, you know, and before that, there was like one year where they beat North, uh, Southern Illinois, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it, it, and you know, like I don't want to, I don't want to downplay. Um daniel and gabe's years right like they were they were also very good and i think exceeded expectations that many of us had i think i think at least for me daniel exceeded things offensively if anything he was maybe a little more disappointing on the defensive end just from a consistency standpoint but gabe i think for most gopher fans really exceeded expectations coming in and hitting 72 threes on the season leading the team shooting 41.6 percent from three like that was major contribution that i'd I you know, a void that they would have had had he not been able to fill it, and he was—he's uh, just such a, a crucial piece for this roster going down the str- or going down his next four years too.
1: Well, two things in that: one, that is a freshman record, and it's like I think it's now seventh all-time best season for three pointers made in a year and go for basketball history. You throw over Sean Leonard's all-time best year of '86, which doesn't count in the record books. It's eight. There's that point one mm-hmm. point two is even though Gabe was hitting these threes in EYBL, like every Minnesota fan should just look watch Gabe and think, Oh my God, so happy other other high major schools didn't offer him a scholarship. Because it was Minnesota and Northern Iowa and Pitt. And yeah, I think plus their coach, it was really in Minnesota. Yeah. And they, they need to thank the world that the you know, the gophers, Richard Pitino and Ben Johnson offered him early. And then we're able to get him after, you know, Jarvis and Daniel committed because it's time because that was gigantic for this team. Because, again, where would they be? Well, we probably would have seen more Brock stall and then maybe Brock, you know, had to shoot the ball a little bit more. And who knows what Brock would have done. But Brock would have uh, shooting wise if he. but I don't think it would have been 41 percent. And I we all know he was a defendant like Gabe
0: defending, right? And that's the thing. He Gabe was by far their best defender, at least in my opinion, um, all season, right? And he was often yeah. taking on, taking on, you know, their top guard, right, night in, night out, whether that was Carson Edwards or whoever that might be on any given night. And then he usually, you know, he he. He definitely lapsed. Like he wasn't always consistently scoring, but in the same respect, the defensive effort you got out of him, like it didn't frustrate you um, because of the defensive effort when he would go through some, you know, scoring droughts or you know just didn't even get shots.
1: And that's the role that he like as a defender. He had the guard guys. Gabe had the guard guys. He shouldn't have had the guard. Right. He should be guarding the best wing. He should not be guarding the six foot one explosively quick point guards. Like that, right now, right now it should be Kevin Dorsey do, doing that job. Right, right. Now. That should have been him. Or it should be Isaiah Washington who just... Let's uh, not open that. It's just, he just doesn't do it. So, yeah. it should have been, it should be one of those two guys doing that. Um, and it, it's just not. So, Gabe had to guard a lot of quick point guards and at times, he did well. And at other times, it was asking too much because that shouldn't be his job.
0: Right, and you tweet you tweeted some pretty impressive statistics of how he took Carson Edwards, arguably one of the best guards in the country, right? And he he absolutely gave Carson Edwards fits, which might be why some people don't project Carson Edwards to have a huge pro career, you know, or NBA career, I should say. I think he'll play pro, but he because of the size, you know, Gabe was able to really put a number on him. And I'm not trying to knock Carson Edwards, but you know, he's he's a heck of a player, but you know, with size, a guy like like gave it six four and had some had some decent quicks on him definitely gave him some struggle.
1: How about that? How about how about Luke Buard just called right now that Gabe Kelscher took away Carson Edwards's pro career? <laughs> that's pretty good. Like so, so like he shot seven of thirty one in the second game at Williams Arena, and four of seventeen in the Big Ten tournament. Like the numbers were below twenty five percent over the three games shooting i believe from the field definitely from behind the arc 12 turnovers like the guy was just you know game game ate him up man game mm-hmm. with carson edwards is trip night.
0: yeah it, and yeah definitely it, it was a surprise to me i, I mean I, I have all the respect for carson edwards in the world i just don't know if he's an nba point guard um I, and maybe i'm wrong but uh i did, i i don't know i just don't see it i don't think he shoots the ball well enough um he he struggles from three quite a bit more than than other guys that are his size that are playing in the NBA take Tyus Jones for instance um all right let's uh let's let's transition a little bit and talk a little bit about this Big 10 tournament um uh, here here's my first question for you did they need to beat Penn State to get in the tournament in your opinion cuz i think we learned today that the committee felt they needed to it's,
1: i don't know like I would originally originally have said no. Um, I thought they were in, but at the same time, you know, if you lose to Penn State, I know that they were one of the hottest teams, but Penn State is still a fourteen and seventeen team. I don't even care about the net and everything. That's just a fourteen and seventeen mm-hmm. team, and then they, if they beat you, that that doesn't, you know, that could have hurt. Now, my, you know, I guess. You are you saying that from based on the committee where they were seated, you think that if they lose to Penn State, they don't make it in the tournament? Well,
0: well, okay. So what they have here is they have they, they beat Penn State, right? And then they they also beat Purdue. So they, in, at one point they're eleven 11 in the big in the Big Ten, right? They end up eleven and twelve, get crushed by Michigan. I don't think that loss really hurt them too much but all, all for all intents and purposes like if you're if you're nine and twelve in the big ten, I know they don't take into consideration conference record, but that would have been what that would have only been three quad one wins for them, right um, instead, they end up with five because they beat both Penn state and uh, yeah. and purdue so i just i don 't know i, I don 't know what to think I, e- either the committee. Um, underranked them, right? Because they wanted to get them in Des Moines and they wanted to get them to play Louisville, right? So sell tickets and create a storyline, or the, or you know they really were that close. I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm really not sure what it was.
1: Well, they definitely they definitely wanted that storyline. I mean, these they were they when they looked at these games, those people that are putting this together, they obviously were giggling. They yeah. obviously let's do this. Yeah, I mean. This isn't what's weird is this isn't a new matchup for the NCAA for Minnesota. Louisville has played Minnesota two other times in the NCAA tournament. Minnesota, this is their fourteenth appearance overall, right? Right. And this will be of those fourteen, this will be the third time they play Louisville. You know, and I, I don't even know if they've played any other team twice. Huh. So it's not exactly a new matchup for NCAA tournament wise, but. You know, is it, it, you know that they were doing it for the very reasons of Rick Pitino, of yeah. Richard Pitino, right, and maybe even our friend Matt right. You know, you know, there's, but they, yeah, it, it's like, there was so much talk about this game. You almost forget that Chris Mack is the Louisville coach. It's almost like, hey, I'm over here. We had no expectations this year. We were supposed to go to the NIT, and we're a seven seed, and we got nine guys playing you know that's Louisville is a team that has depth man yeah got nine guys that are playing none of them play they're at they all, they all average of those nine 14 15 minutes a game if three guys that play about 30 and six guys that play between 15 and 19 there's balance and they're going to come at you and wait you know and there's a lot of veterans mixed with young players that took steps forward this year so it's it's gonna be a tough. It's gonna to a
0: tough team. Yeah, and, and I think I think currently the Gophers are like a five point dog right now. Um, probably not surprising, um, you know. You know, considering you know they are the they're the ten seed against the seven seed, um, and I think you know I think that Louisville's a solid squad. Um, they, they've they not had a great neutral court record. I think they're 1-3 on the year, but they've played some super good teams on neutral courts. They lost to, let me see, I had it up at one point. They lost to Tennessee, who's really good. They only lost to them by 11. Lost to Marquette in overtime, and then they lost to North Carolina on neutral court sites. Uh, their only win on a neutral court site was against Notre Dame, so pretty interesting but let's let's get back to that that uh penn state win um i thought that you know that was a really really ugly game and then you get to overtime and boom like amir just started to play out of his mind that i think that dunk really kind of set the tone for the the rest of the overtime and you know they get that win in what seemed to be just a really really ugly game
1: you know it it, it was an ugly game at times um, you left you wondering what was gonna be what was gonna be next, but once that dunk hit, the momentum it was just it was it was, it was huge momentum. It was massive momentum, and it was another big game for Amir
0: yeah and and you know it it felt like the the two Penn State games this year um were kind of microcosms of each other right Penn State kind of throws the first punch they get out in front of you um, but then eventually the gophers are able to stick around and then claw back and find some 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 momentum at the end to eventually squeak it out. you know Penn State has a chance at the end, but eventually they just you know the reason that they ended up like, like fourteen and seventeen is they just couldn't finish games in some respects
1: no they they could I mean there's talent on that team, but Lamar Stevens, as good as he is, couldn't you know, he just he couldn't deal with Jordan Murphy. Yeah. And overall on that team, they you like know, Mike Watkins had his moments in that game, but again, they didn't have the depth to deal with, with Minnesota. And another point thing to point out, they got two guys, two freshmen on that team, Razir Bolton and uh oh, what's the other guy's name? Razir Bolton and Miles, I, I wanna say Miles Dredd. They're both scoreless. Yeah in that game. Now, Josh Reeves had his moments. And at one point, Josh Reeves made some plays that, you know, that had you thinking, Oh Christ, he's gonna, he's gonna shut Amir coffee down. That, that play before the halftime, that, I mean, that was that, you know, the isolation play where the ball yep. was stolen and it went the other way. Like that was, that looked like doomsday right there. But, but the things turned around and went in their favor. And that was their first overtime game since last year when they lost to Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah.
0: Yeah, you know another thing that stuck out in that game, and then uh, also stuck out in the Purdue win at home, was you got really meaningful contributions from Dupree, right? Um, I think this team needs Dupree if they're going to make a run in the NCAA tournament. They need a consistent contribution from Dupree. Uh, Too many times this season, he was absent or just shot the ball terribly, right? Um, That said, he's he's played good defense, and I thought that I, I did think that in especially in that Penn State win, Dupree was a vital role to keep them in the game and even get it to overtime.
1: Oh, the Penn State game was one of his best games of the year. I mean, he 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 came off a couple of screens. Um, you know, huge shot off a curling off the screen on the left side later in the game. Tino you know, actually I, I say actually because people have been harping on him out of timeouts and I've been telling people on Twitter like, no, he does a really good job on a uh, calling plays on a timeout. Sure, you remember a play here or there that you didn't like, but Patino's, done a, has, when they have the ball out of a timeout, has done a really nice job of getting high-percentage shots out of a timeout. And I think that the pre-shot that I'm thinking of was out of a timeout. I think it was actually after they used uh, some flex-cutting action to get him open off a screen. So, you know, I, I give credit to Dupree for having probably his best game in over two months in that Penn State game. And Richard Pitino did a nice job of putting his position, his players in position to do things. Also, they made a few, there was, I think they made a few defensive adjustments. Either Gabe did some things on his own, or I'm more likely the coaching staff talked to him. But think about the times when Lamar Stevens, he didn't shoot well in that game. Mm-hmm. And about the, to, the, the times that he was fading, falling back, was pressured into doing something quickly. A lot of times that was because Gabe was digging down, being, you know, kind of forcing him into a quicker attempt. And, and and
0: that was a key part of it as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's let's transition. Talk a little bit about that Purdue game. you know this this was a game. Um, you know, I thought the Gophers played an incredibly good first half. Um, maybe faded a little bit um, in the early part of the second. Which which you know, if people remember the game in Wa- in West Lafayette, the Gophers had a stretch and then eventually Purdue stormed back to get the win. But at the end of the day, Jordan Murphy was just way 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 too much in this game for Purdue.
1: No, he was a monster. And if you think back to when they played them the first time. Right. And, you know, Matt Painter stuck Matt Harms on him, on Jordan Murphy. And Jordan, in the second half of that game, was, you know, he was just, I don't know what the word is, maybe not irrelevant, but he just wasn't able to finish over that length. He had problems with it. Well, the, the script was flipped. Both of these last two games. Like, Jordan Murphy went right at Matt Harms and basically put him in harm's way. (laughs) Yeah, but yeah, he... Jordan Murphy went right at him and pretty much dominated Matt Harms in that game. And it was another... You know, it's almost cliche to say, but it was like a flash flash of his brilliance. It was another moment of Jordan Murphy Mm -hmm. that you was forever etched in time, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Like come up with any more dorky things to say, (laughs) you know. You know let me know, but that like he he was fantastic in that game
0: yeah he and he was, and you know, I think there's something that we don 't want to overshadow theres. I thought Daniel Arturo had some really good moments too in that game he ended he he ironically was the one that ended up with a double double, Jordan had like twenty seven points and like seven rebounds, where arturo had Ooh, i yeah I, I'm pretty sure Arturo had ten and eleven in that game. Um, it, it was it was it, it caught me off guard. But at the end of the day, the, I thought the real, you know, the the player of the game for the Gophers, obviously Jordan Murphy, was probably the one that most people are going to um, highlight. But for me, the guy that really that, that really stuck out was Gabe Kalisher. We've talked about this a, a little already. His ability to to you know get Carson Edwards to take you know tough four bad shots. Um, and and, and additionally, uh, early on in that ball game, Kalisher. Had some had some big threes that really um, you know either kept them in the ball game or you know gave them some momentum early.
1: I, mean, I think Gabe had three threes in that game. Yeah. You know, you know, he didn't take many shots, with those three, one of them was that banked in shot.
0: That was like, weak.
1: With the to backboard. <laughs> it, you know, it's funny because Gabe has done that like three or four times. Right. And his facial expressions are great. They're just like, "Come on, man, are you kidding me?" Kind of. <laughs> you can such a hardworking like serious dude on the floor all right. at all times like you know some people when they bank in a the shower be like hey i'll take it he kind of has this look of disgust like what the hell is wrong with me <laughs> like really I, I just embarrassed myself by making that i'd rather miss it i'd rather miss it and like show the world that i was brutal than get rewarded for my brutality
0: right how about how about in that michigan game though they had they had a banked in three and then and then that dead ball that Teskey shot that literally like couldn't have been a worse attempt somehow went in. That was oh, those that, that was frustrating.
1: Uh, you know, Michigan not only was Michigan so good defensively, did they they took away everything Minnesota did, not only did they get you know, they used their uh the bigs moved off the screen so well in that game. Like, you know, Iggy was living in his own space and mm-hmm. you know air coffee had trouble guarding everybody off the dribble in that game but then they did get lucky they did get some lucky things like that like John Pesky who's at a great end of the year, end of the season mm-hmm. you know his luck continues his luck is still there
0: yeah um all right, I, I don't know if I really want to talk about that Michigan game much more. I mean, the Gophers obviously looked fatigued. Um, they got blitzed, uh, you know, basically from the ten minute mark on. Um, and, and in large part, I mean, you really have to give credit to you have to give credit to Michigan. You know, the defense they played, um, but the Gophers really just didn't take advantage of opportunities. Right they, at one point, they were one for six from the line in the first half. Um, they you know they missed a couple of bunnies. I know Gabe missed one real a really easy. Wide open lay, wide open layup, which um, I mean, I think was just kind of, uh, what just kind of spoke to how the game was going to go for the Gophers. It just it wasn't their day, and I don't know how much fatigue really played in. It's not an excuse, but uh, you know, it, in in the same respect, like it, they they just really were never in that ball game.
1: They were never in the game. Whatever they tried to run earlier, early in the contest, none of it created a high percentage shot early in the game. They were taken. You know, when they did get a few high-percentage shots, like the free throws like that Galeic talked about, it didn't work out successfully. And they took way too many shots, you know, that were contested, that weren't high-percentage. And then they go the other way, like we had just talked about earlier. Defensively, they just weren't they weren't able to stop Michigan from getting high-percentage shots at all. And, like, is it fatigue? Is it not fatigue? Is it mental fatigue? Well, if it's fatigue, it's because, you know, most of the guys you had on the floor hadn't came off the floor on you know on the, the, they're playing all day Saturday. Well, it's because they played all day Thursday and Friday, and and so you are going to be fatigued because you played one last game. But if these are the other you know, young kids, they can play. All right. Well, then they were mentally fatigued because you know they didn't react well to when Michigan was playing well. It was almost more of a shutdown. Right. You know. Let let's be honest. There was way too many blow
0: Yeah. If
1: you if. You, if your team defense is not getting to help, if your team defense is not working through ball screens, I was excited early because I saw Daniel Turo, Jordan Murphy, and Gabe Kelscher batter over the top of the screen to the point where I was like, okay, this is going to be a fight. But then you see Iggy move off of the screen and nobody would go with him. You'd see the, you know, a guy curl the screen, catch the ball, almost in a dribble handoff or a little pitch. And... He'd get a matchup, and all of a sudden, boom! They blew by Amir Coffee. Boom! They went to the baseline, and the help wasn't there, and it was over fast. And there was nothing to react. And we've we've probably talked about this game more than Richard Pitino and his staff did (laughs) because they remember they, they. and they threw it in the Green River.
0: <laughs> that was that, that. was probably the best thing that came out of the out of that game. Was just that quote from Patino. Um, so let's digress. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about this uh, about this Illin or sorry this uh, Louisville game. Um, so we've already mentioned it's a very early game. Um, it's eleven something on Thursday for those that are going to watch. Um, it's in Des Moines, so I got to imagine there'll be a decent number of Gopher fans there. Um, I, I It always seems like it always seems like the NCAA, at least for the gophers uh in recent memory finds finds a way to get them to play a first round game uh you know within driving distance um i i think i can think of when they lost to xavier um they played milwaukee let's see they they played. i think when they were a five seed and they lost too, they played milwaukee right the the richard the one two years ago was that milwaukee too
1: yeah yes that was milwaukee yep
0: Okay, yeah, they always find a way, whether, you know, maybe they gave Minnesota a little bit too high, to, high a seed in that season and maybe a little too low a seed this season they got them into Des Moines. But uh, regardless, uh, you know, like, like you said, uh, this, this Louisville team has really exceeded expectations. Uh, Chris Mack, it, I mean, there's a reason that he's been as, as successful as he's been, right? He's a darn good coach, and I think that, I think that Louisville is definitely back on the rise with him at the helm.
1: He's got. He's made. He's taken guys who were role players in the past and developed them into really nice pieces. Like their leading scorer, is six foot seven Jordan Wara, who's nice, I think that's how you say his last name. I could be wrong. Um, the really good face up basketball players, scoring seventeen a game. Um, Dwayne Sutton is a, is another forward. I mean, these, these are guys that were that scored two three baskets a game last year, and now Norah is a sophomore, Sutton's a junior. And they're very, very key pieces. They've been developed, and that's a, that's that's what makes a good coach. He develops. You take a player who, as a freshman, was you know a little bit raw, a little bit didn't get too much time, and the next year he makes a big step, and then the next year he makes a big step. And like not every basketball player is going to come in like Gabe Kelcher or Daniel Arturo and start and average double figures. Some guys it takes some time. The mark the the mark of a good coach is to take a guy who's not that type of player and make them into something that can help your team and and, and play decent minutes. I always think of Damian Johnson. Damian Johnson redshirted and barely played as a freshman. As a sophomore, he took major steps. Then he continued to take major steps. Aaron Robinson, same thing. Remember Aaron Robinson and Jeff Hagan? Those guys didn't play much. And they just slowly increased as seniors. They were t- huge pieces to a team that went to the NCAA tournament. Well, that's what you see from that's what you see from Chris Mack right now. I mean, Jordan Orr is the seventeen point per game guy, after scoring six or seven as a freshman. Dwayne Sutton, I don't know exactly what he's averaging, but he's a second leading scorer. You know, but then they all, you know, and Ryan McMahon's having a good year. Um, but they've also been able to make There's also a kid on this team named Darius Perry, who's a defensive machine. Oh, mm. I love the guy. But then they also mix that with transfers. This Christian Cunningham came from Sanford. Guy barely comes off the floor. He's so steady. And then they have size like Stephen Enoch who came from Yukon. Before the previous Louisville staff raved, I believe that was yeah, they raved about him. Um they Kevin uh, there's a Richmond transfer. Quan Forey, I'm gonna Do with some of these names. I know, (laughs) but these these are all guys. It's a mix of holdovers from last year who stepped forward and became better players, mixed with veterans that transferred in who have played their role. And if they're nine deep, and they will play nine, and those nine guys all know what they're coming into each game. They all know that they're their minutes. They're gonna play their twelve, their fourteen, their sixteen, their eighteen. And then the three best players, Sutton, Orr, and Cunningham, are going to play their 30, 32, 33. It's a really good basketball team and mm-hmm. on what I've been able to put together today.
0: All right, so so reasonably, I think the Gophers definitely have a chance. I don't think that there's, a, you know, they don't. Um, I think that, you know, right now a five-point a five-point line that they've got an opportunity. I think that for the Gophers, they're probably going to have to try and dictate the pace here, right? Um, that's probably how they're going to stick in it. I don't. I haven't watched Louisville enough, and it's it's too short of a period. Um, but it seems like they shoot the ball okay. They don't force a ton of turnovers when you look at the statistics. Um, but for, you know, for Minnesota, you know they they haven't they have not done well when they don't rebound, uh, when they don't play defense, and when they can't hit shots. I know it sounds like. I'm being very broad but that that really summarizes this Gopher team as a whole to me.
1: Yeah, and this other thing is this the this little team rebound. They okay. have five, six passes that'll that'll get after the glass consistently and get numbers on the glass. They shoot free throw line wise they're outstanding. They're like a 78-79% free throw shooting team. Um, they're a reasonably good three point shooting team in the 34 or 35% area as a, as a unit. And also, you got to know these guys beat Michigan State. Right? They beat North Carolina. They beat Seton Hall and Virginia Tech. Now, I know people are going to look at their recent losses. Yes, they've lost five of seven. But then you also have to look at who they lost to. Virginia, Virginia again. Yeah, they got to they they got to play Virginia twice, like down the stretch at the in end of February. Um, they all in the regular season. They also lost to North Carolina. You know, they 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 lost to good teams. There's, been, you know, they also lost at Boston College. That was the one bad loss of those. You know, they lost five and seven. Um,
0: well, I mean, Minnesota lost percent. to Boston College too, so.
1: Yeah, and the least Minnesota didn't against Boston College. Louisville, Louisville did, um, so I think you know, actually they lost to. Uh, whatever the case, you know they've they've got twenty wins and they weren't expected to get any more than like fifteen.
0: Yeah. So. I mean it it will be an interesting game i think I think for most gopher fans, like I think people are just excited to be in the tournament right um you you know you have that proverbial chip chair and chance. Um, so it, you know, d- just getting, getting the invite is, is good. It's, it's definitely a sign of, um, you know, some success. Uh, it probably quiets a number of the people calling for Patino's head. I, I know there's still going to be consistent people that are saying like, Hey, the big 10 records too, too low. Um, and you know, and maybe rightfully so. Um, but, it, but in the same respect, like the guys made two, out of two NCAA tournaments in three years. Um, but maybe we should, maybe we should transition here and talk a little bit of recruiting. Um being as they have a number of scholarships still to give. And I I know a number of people want to focus on the fact that uh you know there are a number of really talented guys here in the state of Minnesota which you cover extensively, Ryan. Um and you know what's the status of recruiting you know in for the gophers in the state of Minnesota?
1: In terms of two thousand nineteen
0: uh, I mean, 2019s, maybe even 2020s, right? I know that 2020, in, in some ways, is still a long way off, right? But I, I, one area that the Gophers are getting criticized, which may be fair or unfair. I mean, we just talked extensively about two Minnesotans that contributed big minutes this year. Well, three, um, you know, that played major roles in Arturo Coffee and uh, Kelsher, right? Um, it, it, where where do they stand with Minnesotans in, in recruiting, you know, here in 19 and 20?
1: Well. Matthew Hurt, you can – Matthew Hurt's not coming to Minnesota with the amongst his coaching staff. That's just the way it is. Um, there, the, the communication, I, I you can – who do you blame? Where do you blame? I just know that communication broke down in the, later in the fall. Um, you know, Richard Picino and Matthew Hurt, there was really no communication between the two of them at, after a while, and that's where that stands. Um, and that's pretty much it when it comes to 2019, although George Washington just fired their coach, which means Jamison battle probably will have the chance to think twice about what he does. And if he opens up, which he, you know, these days pretty much most kids do, he's in a same national ranking area as some of these guys that Minnesota has offered Hmm. or has looked at, you know, like. You know, like a David Cogman, you know, Sam Freeman, Tewante Williams, you know, these these players, that's about where Jamison Battle is. And Jamison Battle's a six foot seven, six foot eight, stretch the floor, 40% three point shooter who is educated at D.L. Stallone, rebounds a little bit. So he, you know, they might need that. They might want that shooting touch and his size at forward if that were to happen. So that's sure. something to keep on if it does happen. Um, 2020, Jalen's dogs is going to be very difficult to grab. Not because Jalen, you know, Jalen loves P.J. Fleck. Jalen told me, I wrote a story with, uh, um, you know, he about him about a month and a half ago. He told me he really liked his relationship with Richard Pacino. But like, Jalen's going to be recruited by just about any, everybody. And after the winter we had, why wouldn't you go to Arizona State? Or why would... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know. He's he, he there's going to be lots of options there. I just don't know. And Dawson Garcia is a five-star kid, too. He loves Marquette. He had a great visit at Marquette. Like, Marquette is going to be one of the teams that's after this kid, you know, and you're going to have to you're gonna have to have outdo the visit he had to Marquette. You know, and Marquette's not going to slow down the recruitment of this kid because their, their efforts of recruiting have been really good. That's why Steve O'John was there. You mm-hmm. know, and that's why they've been able to recruit fairly well at Marquette, and they're now having success. And the, you know, and and Dawson Garcia is going to have a lot of the, the Kentucky came in and watched him the other day. You know the, the, he's going to have big names watching him. He's going to be tough. Um, ben Carlson loved his Xavier visit. You know Xavier is a place that really you know impressed Ben Carlson. So you know, can Minnesota get on get him? Yes, but you're going to have to outfight lots of guys. You know, I think Kerwin Walton. Kerwin, they have a chance. For when Kerwin Walton has interest in staying home, but Kerwin Walton also was first offered by Purdue and really enjoyed his Purdue visit. So you got to win that battle. You know, Dame Danger's right. got offers from people all over the place. Right, you got to win that battle. So they are in the game. After I talked to all five of those guys, Minnesota's in the game, but they got it. You know, they they got it. They got to. You know, they got to be on the front fighting for these kids at all times to land them because these kids are they're getting recruiting interest from people all over the place and developing relationships with those other places as well. So it's a tough battle. Do I think they can get 2020 guys? Yes. I feel like they have a shot at Kerwin. I don't know that you can get any more than one post. I mean, most of those guys all consider themselves a forward. So, if you get Ben Carlson per se, does Dane Danes really going to come and join, or you know, or Dawson comes, is Ben Carlson going to come? You know, could they play together? Yes. Will they? I don't know because there's a guy named Daniel Latura right there. You know, so I don't know, but I I, I think they can get them, but they really got to, you know, that the work's got to get put in, man. And yeah. I and the, they started it off well by offering all those guys early, whereas the David Roddy's, Tyrell Terry's. And Tyler Wallace they did not offer early. They right. offered them you know, they offered them in their seventeen year year, whereas these other guys they got out in front and offered them when they were sophomores. So that could work out in their favor.
0: Yeah, let's let's be honest. So, like, I think one thing that people either don't take into consideration, they always just see like a guy leaves Minnesota. Like, you gotta you have to remember too that Minnesota doesn't have like an infinite number of scholarships, and they don't have an infinite number of scholarships out of position, right? So, like, you might recruit a guy um and you he might not be like a, a plan a or even maybe even a plan b guy um but you know you you offer him it, at the end of the day but you just don't have the position flexibility to even bring them in right even if you really want them like that that might impact that player's interest in playing because they see a jordan murphy and he, jordan murphy and eric curry and whoever else might be at that same position group as them right Um, so I think that's one thing that Minnesota fans need to pump the brakes a little bit on, like you can't get everyone and it's hard to, you know, it's hard to get kids. So like in some ways you got to give a little bit of grace to Patino and staff, but in the same respect, like you also also have to hold them accountable that they need to bring in, especially some really high talent that's here in the state of Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I mean, the talent's right here. You build that relationship with them when they're young. You keep up that relationship with them. You meet mom and dad. You talk to mom and dad. You build a relationship with mom and dad. You keep up with the kid. You keep up with their high school and AU coaches. It's not that difficult of a thing. You're you you know you're in contact with them regularly. You text them. You call them. You go to a game here and there. You get out to them, see them at the open period, and voila, you got a relationship. You get some damn players. Right. You know, why not? Let's you get it done. Yeah, but it's like you said earlier. People, the fans do have to understand. Like the best example of that is when they chose to offer McKinley, right, and not Brad right. Davidson. When they chose to go after McKinley throughout his junior year, not Brad. The two scholarships to give, and they felt like McKinley was the guy who was a better fit, point position wise, the way he played wise for their team. And I don't disagree. When you have two scholarships and you want a speedy ball pressure PG, because Brad, by the way, doesn't play PG. He's a shooting guard. For, you know, Trice is the point guard. He, he's Brad's right. point guard with Trice and have the ball. Mm-hmm. So the Gophers needed a PG. And, and so they went after McKinley. Well, now I know it looks bad because they ended up offering Jameer Harris, a combo guard slash right. off guard, and Brad Davidson, combo guard slash off guard. And you're like, well, what the hell? We right. figured this out before. But then at that point, when they went after, you know, they finalized it on Harris, they knew they weren't getting Theo. They knew they weren't getting Nate Reavers, They knew they weren't getting Jericho Sims. And those things were all done. So so that's why they kind of turned back to that. So, but you're right. You only have so many guys. You only have so many positions you can recruit. And fans do have to be cognizant of that. And the last point about that is they went after Isaiah Washington. Yes. They went after McKinley Wright. Yes, do you feel that they should have got prioritized McKinley over I, Isaiah? Not just because talent wise and recognition wise, but also because of the relationships that McKinley has with so many of those Minnesota kids. Do you feel that they should have prioritized him? Maybe so, but guess what? They also went after Marcus Carr,
0: and yeah, they that's got true.
1: Marcus Carr. Yeah. So they got two. You know, there was I, I always forget who the fourth guy they were after. There's four PGs that I remember kind of tracking. I forget who that fourth guy was. But of the three, of three of those four, let's just keep the pool at Tar, McKinley, and Isaiah. They got two of the three, yeah. so it's probably gonna. Work. It might work out in the end. They just don't have them right now because Isaiah's not doing what he's, what he's supposed to, and Marcus Tar obviously can't play so next year.
0: Right, right. Well, let's let's look at 2019, right? So they've got what still got three scholarships to give. Um, You know, they they had Sheffield in. Uh, He's a guy that seemingly had, uh, you know, has a number of options after getting out of his UCLA letter of intent, or I think it was letter of intent. Um, But you know, so that's a guy. Obviously, they're going to prioritize. He's he's a shooter, an off guard, I believe. Um,
1: Oh, he handles it a lot too.
0: Okay. So, but where where do we stand? You know, in, in that recruitment, but also like, what are we looking at to close out this season? Um, as you and I well, well are well aware, uh, there's always transfers. The transfer market is is hotter than it ever has been. I gotta imagine that's going to be a, a place they look as well. Um, but you know, how do you see 2019 recruiting kind of wrapping up for the Gophers?
1: Let's do this. Like, let's do it like that. Let's take four new guys. Okay. Let's just stay at four because. I, you know, if Aquino said one or two on the radio show the other day or whatever show he was on, um, and somebody told me he said one or two, well, I'm just going to say a four. And one of those guys is Trey Williams. So you yep. get three more guys. Now, if nobody transfers, maybe you could just get two more. But we know someone's going to transfer. It always happens. Right. You know, I mean, Isaiah Washington hasn't played a meaningful minute in a long ass time. So. You know, michael hurt is playing less for this than he did when he's a freshman and he's going to graduate his, from you know his four he's getting his four years this summer so you just have to know those things because that maybe they could happen so let's just say we're gonna stay at four because you know they'll probably as the, the law says around here you're gonna lose one so let's stay at four one of those is trey williams who's had a fantastic season you know in his prep year as a 19 year you know as a, as a 19 year old Playing in Utah, moved himself up to a top 110, 120 type guy in four stars. Excellent pickup. Good. Let's look at the second guy, Grant Shurfield. Great relationship with Minnesota assistant Kyle Lindsay. Point one is that, you know, that's one check mark for Minnesota. But check mark two was he really enjoyed his visit. Outstanding. Second check mark. Works for them. Third one. Third check mark is a positive because he can see himself playing in this Minnesota offense because he is that and he is that type of player that will fit. Third check mark positive in Minnesota's direction. So what's the, what needs to happen? Well he's gonna take a few more visits. You know he's got Wichita State at the end of the month. And my guess is a few more teams will come after him so it might be he'll take one more. But I think Minnesota's gonna be there till the end and has a good shot at him. So let's say they get him. All right, you got two guys who are ranked the top one twenty in the nation both with four stars next to their name, you've got a two, a combo, and a three. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Now, what do you need? You need a front court player. Yes. Well, you're looking at either a project center or somebody look at it as a transfer. Well, I think they have a good chance of getting a solid transfer in here that'll play next year. Uh, let's just leave it at that for now and move on. So let's so let's look at so that's three spots. That's a solid big transfer. Grant Sherfield and uh, and Trey Williams. Well, now you also want another wing shooter. This team needs another shooter desperately. Well, maybe that's Jamison Battle. Maybe it's Sean McNeil. Now it sounds like, from what I'm told, Richard Pitino really wants the Sean McNeil kid. But guess what? So like 12 or 14, 16 other high major teams. Follow the kid, on Twitter. And every single day, there's a new high-major team popping up on his Twitter. He's like the most sought-after JUCO prospect right now who's available. So, yeah, would that work for Minnesota? It might. He's a Kentucky kid. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe there's a relationship there with the family. I don't know as of right now. Or maybe they just know the Patino family because they're Kentucky. He's a Kentucky <laughs> kid. But I know that they that Patino has high interest in him. But then there's more like. There's this Italian guy, Federico Maiachi. Maiachi? Maiachi? You'll figure it out sometime. Yeah, he's supposed to be visiting in May. Um, Isaiah Inan, the kid from Germany, he told me that he's going to visit here in April. Well, that's good. Sam Freeman, we've been talking about that guy forever. He's still thinking about visiting. David Scogman told me he's a big from Wisconsin. He told me that he's gonna take, he's gonna put a visit schedule together in a couple weeks, and he's gonna visit, you know, Minnesota's one of the places he's considering for an official visit. All right, so that's positive, you know. So they also uh, offered Olivier Robinson, who's a foreign kid. I'm not sure where he's from internationally, but he's playing out in Maryland. And there's some more names, but like, you know, that's kind of the group right there. So. Ideally you get Trey Williams, you get Grant Sherfield, you get a big man transfer and you get this Sean McNeil the shooter from the Juco and it's a beautiful day you know <laughs> right but maybe 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 you get Jamison battle in a, in, in, a tra- in the big man transfer and maybe that's a beautiful day you know I I, I the options are there and the positive is that Richard Bettino every year has brought players in in the spring. That can help. The first year was Joey King and DeAndre Mm Matthews. That worked out pretty good. Uh, The next year was Gaston Bakari and Zach Lawson. That probably did not work out as good as some of the others we're going to talk about. (laughs) Um, The next one was Jordan Murphy and Reggie Lynch. That worked out really, really well. Right, so defensive player of the year and one of the best players in the last twenty years. Um, Akeem Springs, I did I I think Akeem Springs was the next fall after that. Right. He was the ne- the next spring recruit after that. Well, goddamn it, that worked out pretty good too. Right. You know, and, and there's, uh, there's, I'm missing one because the next year after that they had you know Ahmad Gilbert wasn't quite as good. He was in there somewhere, and then last year they grabbed what? Marcus Carr. Right. Excellent. Peyton Willis should be solid. Brock dull. And I think two years ago the spring recruit was not Stockton. Right. So Yeah, I think that's in, in when you consider that they have grabbed Reggie Lynch, Marcus Carr, Akeem Springs, Jordan Murphy as spring recruits, that's pretty freaking good. Pretty... Short window recruiting has worked out very well for Richard Batino. And guess what? At least seventy-five percent of the new players coming in next year are going to be short window recruits this spring. Let's see how it works.
0: <laughs> yeah, let's see how it comes together. Uh, if if people enjoy hearing about uh, you know th- the names that Ryan rattles off, and I don't know how he keeps this all in his brain, uh, you should definitely go check out gopherillustrated.com. dot uh, That that pays his bills um, for 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 all that knowledge that he accumulates, and the, just the number of guys. I don't know how you keep track of that. Do you even know?
1: Oh, uh, you know, you, you you go through it and you talk about it enough. You kind of store it in little, like, <laughs> you no, know, I I got, like, my brain, I kind of, it's like, a, like a, a bunch of garage shelves, and I have to go pull it out and, like, and sometimes I don't always remember, like, I still can't remember what that dude's name was from Italy, but yeah. Rico Machini, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but, you know, like, you kind of store them in shelves in little categories, and then you pull them out that way.
0: All right. Well, I want to thank everybody for listening. It's been a fun season. I'm sorry we didn't podcast as much as uh, previous years. I I th- I will try and change my best next year, um, so that we can we can do this more regularly. Uh, Ryan will talk again. You know, obviously during the summer and during the spring recruiting uh, or short window recruiting. I like that. Did you coin that yourself?
1: Uh, you know I think I did. I don't know anybody else uses it, but the short window recruiting is what's what's worked around here, and it's not all Luke's fault. We don't podcast the hours available that I have are not much. Yeah. And we do it at night often. And, you know, sometimes I do it, like, in the car. I, you know, you put the, you put, the uh, you put it on so you can talk in the car. Well, yeah. a lot of my trips this, this year have been made, and I'm like a petrified old man that I'm, you know, driving. <laughs> it's snowing. It's bleeding. It's slippery. Mm. Oh, my God. I mean, what is going to happen to me? And I don't like talking on the phone at night. I'm like, I'm like my dad. My dad is the worst night driver ever. It's it's terrible. (laughs) He's slow and afraid of everything. Feel that coming to me a little bit. I'm that angry old man who is like, come on, old truck. It's slippery out here. Don't fly by me. And then the guys in the ditch and I kind of giggle instead of helping them. That's my
0: problem. Uh, yeah. So we want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, it's been it's been fun talking, Ryan. Um, so want to thank everyone for listening. Go Gophers.